what I'm wondering about is why you came tonight as opposed to last night for some of you, because no one knows what the definition of vintage is. <laughs> and so I'm wondering not only what is it, but I think it actually might even be a moving target. And is that a, that may not even be a bad thing. What was last night? No, tomorrow night. is modern. People think they know what that is. It's the opposite of vintage, I guess. <laughs> Although we're doing the price guys, we had a third category. Which is kind of interesting because where's stuff that falls in the middle? Right. That not brand new, but still newer. Right. There's a lot of dynamic. It's hard to believe that I can get cars are 40 years old. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's true. That's something that's hard to think about. For yep. me. So then you would say that's vintage? No. No. No, I would say pre pre eighties. It's pretty much what I said. Really, pre eighties, forty one. Okay, seventy nine. So really, really. How about that? You're, you're pre war, whatever you. Uh, the end of your pre war. I mean, yeah, well, I, I say now. I get got out of pre war because people were sticking me with. Hey, there's a nineteen forty four set. There's a nineteen forty three set. I'm like, okay, everything World War Two and before. You didn't say which war. The pre war war. Pre war war two. Yeah, right. So I quit through World War II, and now I do World War II and before. Sure. That way, after 45 is after the war. Actually, I would consider anything like from 74 and before when they, when they issued the cards in series. series. High series. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry brought me some ads from back in the day from SED, I guess, from the mid-70s or whatever it was. Did you order anything? No. <laughs> it's, it's the buying trips that I did, we weren't interested in anything unless it was in the 50s. So the 50s were always cool, but it's like if something came in in the 63, it'd be like, you might want to hold on to that for a while. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> and the shows. Of course, you know, if you're in shows in the 70s, you're describing these 75 shows. A card from 65, you'd think, well, that's, that's just so recent. So what do y'all think about uh, moving target of vintage? And, you know, when somebody is truly vintage, they have a very low number of the year. If somebody says vintage begins or uh, ends with upper deck, they're a newbie. They're not legit. They're not legit. So, any other definitions? Depends on the collector. I mean, it does. It's it's a moving goalpost. Yeah, and, 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 Are you saying that that nineteen eighty seven tops will eventually be finished? Yes, it could be for yes. somebody born in the nineties. Yeah, if you're yeah. if you're collecting nineties, so no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would like it to go that way. Finished doesn't mean it's going to be valuable. Right. Correct. Tim, what do you, you you don't have to make the distinction, right? Well, I like to learn what people are are collecting and why they're collecting it, and what might make the experience different, but. Um, I mean, it, I think a lot of people think of vintage as, like you're saying, something before their time. Like, people could collect Jordan cards, and it's vintage to them because it was before their time. If you think about clothing, people that collect vintage clothing, it's basically something that was worn before. So it's like, this came before me, and I collect it. But, obviously, there's, um, if everybody has a different defini definition of vintage, uh, it's going to be hard to know what we're all talking about. But I, I think the concept is... Uh, like the nostalgia of collecting something that you didn't necessarily experience yourself. Um, although, unfortunately, some of the stuff from the uh, the 80s and 90s 
we'll never have enough following to, <laughs> to screw up the <laughs> but, but you know what's interesting is if you're, a, let's just say in 1987, I was collecting sets and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, man, I'd really like to buy an 86 set and start working on that. And, you know, I'm moving back, okay, as far as I can once I get the 85 done. But, you know, we would buy packs mm -hmm. to try to make these things or buy a vending box yeah. or whatever, you know. And of course, I have a limited income, so it wasn't like I think we all have. But, you know. What's interesting is, is that somebody that's a new collector today, they're going, well, I would love to buy an 86, 87 for your basketball set. I, I, he can't go out and buy a box of that. I mean, he's going to spend, you know, $75,000 for a box. And so, you know, it's interesting because that was the same way it was for me as a collector. I'm in 1984 and I want to collect a 73 pack. Those were five bucks a pack. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there paying 20 cents a pack. So it is vintage to me. And I think that that's kind of the moving post. I mean, when you start getting older and you start collecting in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s, then you start really recognizing, oh, this is really the cutoff line. I think you started equating vintage with valuable. Or, or, yeah. or do you equate vintage with more difficult to get? It may not be valuable, but it may be more difficult. No, I, I think it really has to do with age. I mean, to me, because, you know, Jim's talking about buying, going on buying trips in the 70s. You wanted stuff in the fifties. Well, that's only twenty. That was only twenty years earlier. Yeah. So I mean, I would I would argue that vintage is defined by the individual collector. I think generally, I think we'd be hard pressed to disagree with maybe a forty-year cutoff as being reasonably old, which yeah. is really what vintage means. So I mean, I. What's your rule? You have a thirty-year rule, Rich. That was a twenty. It was a twenty twenty-five-year rule where, as Jordan said, he discovered as Nick used to say, as Nick used to say when he owned Nick's Sports. Cars, cuties, and college people would give up collecting, and then they'd come back when they, you know, got their family in here. They'd have a good job. They they had extra time. Their kids weren't babies anymore. They maybe they bring the kids to a card show or a card store. So it's a twenty year rule we always had where people would come back twenty years after or twenty five years after they collected as a kid because their life is now in order. You stopped at the age of twelve and you got you came back at the age of thirty two or thirty or whatever. So it's not perfect. But it was a twenty year rule. Well, I've always. Kind of been surprised this hasn't happened in our industry. Uh, you know, comics isn't just vintage or modern, they're ages. Mm -hmm. And the card mm -hmm. hobbies always to me seem like they've been perfect for ages instead of just splitting modern and vintage because nobody can decide what is that defining line. And uh, I, I think it's, I think it will go there eventually. I think we'll get to it because we have, you know, we have vintage, but we also have, we have pre war vintage. So we're already kind of making those distinctions. Well, those were marketing distinctions made by a duopoly. Well, they were. They got together <laughs> and it was a way to. Promote the, the the value of the older comics. And right. It, 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 it really put a focus on the marketing effort that hey, these things are really valuable. So I don't think they were saying that back in the fifties. No. It's the golden age. They were saying it when all of a sudden comics like cards were overstreet. Right. Right. My other point is that Chris Ivy, businessman, has moved into money. Whereas a couple of years ago, I don't think the money was there. I mean, the big dollars were chasing. The, the glamour cards that were vintage. But you guys and pretty much the other auction houses are saying there's some big bucks in the newer cards now. Yeah. And so then it means whether it's vintage or not, heritage is interested in it. Mm -hmm. And apparently your your clientele is too. Yeah. Or it's or it's broadening your clientele. Well, to be honest, we didn't have the expertise <laughs> more than a few years ago either. You know, we've had some people come in, younger guys that, that know the the modern stuff, but uh, yeah, we you know we were all vintage guys, so we had to bring in guys that knew what they were what they were doing with that stuff. But the introduction of the new stuff in your auction house has opened up the eyes to the vintage guys. Yeah, exactly. and then the vintage guys, and, and vice versa. You know, it's gone both ways. So now all of a sudden, heritage has got a different popular uh, you know, population of young collectors or new collectors, and they're going. You know what? I I still want a mantle card. 
And now they're buying something, so they're crossing over. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I would have well, never thought that. I've got 10000 bucks to spend. Yeah. I'm thinking about bidding on this Luca car. Okay? Now, the problem is, I'm the underbidder. So I take my 10000 bucks and I think, oh, wait a minute, maybe I can get some Mickey Mantles from that, for that. Mm -hmm. And so cash is king. And when you have the money, you can choose to spend on anything you want. And so it's, and it's like when cars get you six figures, you can think, I can get any car I want. Or I can get a, I get a house. And it, it's it's just that wasn't the case, you know, ten years ago. I, I, it's fun to expose people to the different genres. We did something last year, which we're going back from that, which we separated our card and our value catalogs, and we're going back to combine our spring and our fall auctions together because I do think having them together exposes yeah. you know the people yeah. to different things that they would normally collect. A lot of people yeah. get into collecting when we were kids. We got into collecting modern. I got in, I wanted Ken Griffey Jr. cards, but my interest in Ken Griffey Jr. and Don Mattingly and Jose Canseco and learning about them. You know, and naturally you go backwards and I get more interested in learning about Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and their history. So I think a lot of people do that too. They get in because LeBron and Luca and then obviously they know Jordan, but then they start learning about Will Chamberlain and other guys. So Chris, do you think you know, we've got David here, the price point of some of the really higher level Panini products, for example, helps also spur the interest from your collectors? Because when a Panini product costs what, fifteen hundred, two thousand, if not more, I know there's probably one or two past that. You're paying good coin for any card out of that pack. You're paying a couple hundred dollars per card out of that pack already. Flawless basketball. It's about three thousand dollars a box. And how many cards? And how many cards? You get ten cards in your box. So you're already paying. You'll get eight autos and probably one jewel card, maybe two jewel cards in a box. That's what you get. But you know, people, and that's the other thing that's changed too is the way people consume cards. Ten years ago, there were no box breakers. There were no case breakers. There were none of these guys that were on eBay or on internet all day long, just doing nothing, breaking boxes of cards. And some, I mean, that's all they do all day long, and they do hundreds of them a year. And so it doesn't take a collector very long to get online and watch what's being broken out of these boxes to learn really quick, oh man, that's a really good deal. Those boxes are gonna be great. Well, I gotta go find 10 of those, you know? And, and that, that's how the card market works now. It's so much different than it was 10 years ago. It's certainly a lot different than 50 years ago when I was buying trading cards. You know? Crazy is a short term, and it is almost always not applicable. Because the person you think is crazy, you just don't understand the motivation. Right. And frankly, I think it's working for them. Oh, it is. Usually, so usually the crazy person are going to do more. <laughs> yeah. And the crazies are increasing. Yep. They are. The box breaking is a huge part it's of the market huge. that I was just yep. completely unaware of until about two and a half years ago. And until it was, you know, it was already, I mean, that entire breaking segment of the national. And I was like, what is this? What is all the space for? It's become that, that, that gambling mentality. Yeah. 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 Rising, you know, and all these different <laughs> ways of selling off cards. It's well, what's interesting is it's really changing the dynamic of the unopened market from the old years. Yes. And see, right. and you know, I, that's what I specialize in is unopened football and baseball from the 50s and 60s and stuff like that. But what's, what's crazy is the price of a pack. Last year at the national, it'll be forty five percent higher, mm -hmm. and I'm going, what's going on? And I'm finding out there's guys like what's the guy Sheldon? Yeah, okay, that's going by and going, he's going, hey, I'll take that pack and that pack, and he's breaking it down per, per card now, yeah. okay. And I'm going, it's 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 pushing the price of the value of the, every pack and every it's box. Yeah, if he buys it for this, yeah, it's just you just put your multiplier on it. Yeah, it's 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 guaranteed. Yeah, that's right. As long as you find enough people to say, yeah, just remember the fifty-five Bowman break where he got the mantle of the national. Each card was five hundred dollars for your for your space. So the guy that got the mantle of card number nineteen did very very well. 
the rest of them. The rest of them. The rest of them. But I was one of the guys. I got a twenty-five dollar comment. But the rest of them have a great story to tell. Well, maybe that's that's social media aspect. That's right. It's like coming back from Las Vegas. I almost won. I could have won. I was one card away. That's what they want to say. I sat next to the guy that got the medal. You know, Rich, you're you know you're. You know, I've said it's the most enjoyable show in the world. The opening thing because you walk in empty-handed and you you walk out with doing calisthenics or something. Bags of cards, all this stuff. But the same monster box of commons that we would not even pay five bucks for, if instead of eighty-seven tops commons or commons and stars, if that were unopened packs. Uh-huh. People are interested in unopened packs, even <coughs> in junk wax. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that is shocking to me yeah. because the because I did I do an episode on this? I think yeah, my definition of junk wax is it's junk wax if the best thing you can get out of the pack is worth less than a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the case of those. You know, some of those dogger's ones have some elites, but the tops have nothing. And yet people wanted the, these young jerks the joy of opening. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things when I first got back into collecting full-time in 2009. A shop near me in Grand Prairie had uh, packs, a, a complete seller box of 85 Tops football. At there the, you go. At the, <laughs> the seller price of 25 cents. Oh! The seller box at the National was like three, four figures. Yeah. So I wish I wouldn't have broken open that seller box. Yeah. But I got a complete set of 85 Tops, so. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see, Stephen. Well, from twenty five hundred down to one hundred twenty, right? <laughs> Real quick. I mean, yeah, it's completely ridiculous. But when they want, they were asking and sold three four hundred dollars for the saddle box. So, so can't argue with it. I mean, yeah. this is all about whether you're a gambler or not. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm just not a gambler. I'd rather go home with twenty five bucks and have a twenty five twenty five dollar card and pay five hundred five hundred dollars for it. Mm-hmm. So, but if if you like that kind of action, and a lot of people do, this is I mean, this is fun for them. I mean, that sure. that's well, really action. The, the gambling aspect has become a part of the hobby. Right. That is a sure. part of it. That's how it takes break in. Well, this is your mom, but great. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and Andy was really a good friend. Has it always been for kids? That's what flipping cards was, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So it's a good gambling. Yeah. It's right. become more, uh, more technologies involved, yeah. and, you know, more yeah. money's involved. But it's something that's big. You're right. about cards. It's just, it allows kids free market. Uh-huh. It allows them to buy and sell and a way to figure out how to make money or. Don't you think that enhances that child in growing up and being, man, I, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, one of them grew up to be Gary Vee. Yeah. That's his story. That he learned how to you know, promote things in, from, from baseball cards. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, not, it's not always being a dealer either. You've know, you got to fund your collection. Right. So you still, you're, you're having to make money with what you got, even if you're not a dealer. Yeah. You've know, you got to keep buying and feed the, feed the collection. <laughs> feed the habit.